Hey everyone, so glad to be together today. We have a conversation with my friends, Alan and Joanna. I met both of these gentle and generous souls while we were all working at Tyndale University in Toronto, Canada, just over a decade ago together. And since then, I've gotten to connect with them about their incredible adoption stories, uh, church community, and also through a mutual connection at Holland Bloorview Kids Rehabilitation Hospital. Alan now works at Holland Bloorview, Canada's largest rehab hospital, uh, serving uh, and working with children from uh, you know the autism spectrum, disabilities of, of every kind, speech difficulties, but more than anything, all incredible overcomers. The hospital also has a school with an integrated kindergarten program that I had the privilege of being a part of. So I'll drop the link, hollandbloorview.ca, in the show notes if you want to know more about this incredible organization. Joanna is a devoted and passionate person, fostering and raising her and Alan's two beautiful boys who entered their family through international adoption and have both continued to inspire their parents through their resilience, overcoming physical and emotional disabilities and difficulties. Their family story is one of courage, vulnerability, and and a sincere faith that has truly been purified by holy fire. You are not going to want to miss this conversation. Also, especially because we had an adorable two-week-old guest join us, uh, who was way more interested in our hangout than boring old sleep. So lean in and get ready to be cut to the heart I know that I was. So this is chapter 10 of A Grafting Story, Across the Table with Alan and Joanna. Many of us see adoption simply as a way some choose to grow their family here on earth. But God sees adoption as our divine heritage. How every person who claims Jesus as Savior and Lord becomes a member of the bloodline of heaven itself and becomes grafted into his family tree. So while this is the oldest story of all time, it's becoming new all over again for us. May it become so for you, too. I'm Nicole Ashley Fletcher. Welcome to A Grafting Story, a retelling of God's adopted family, and a new telling of ours. Well, friends, so good to be together around your table. We have a... How old is he? He's... Two weeks. Two, two we weeks. have a two-week-old newborn <laughs> with us today. Thanks for inviting me into your house and to be here with your family. Uh, yeah, we go way back, yes. I guess. Yeah. Now, it's been a long time since Tyndale days, I guess. Yeah. And yeah, that seems like a whole other yeah, lifetime decade. ago. Yeah, over I over mean, a decade ago. Over a decade ago. ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and getting to see just what God has done in your family and the long journey that it's been and continuing. So I just love for you guys to introduce yourselves, say who you are, what do you do with your days, uh, a little bit about your family. So Al, you want to go ahead? <laughs> sure. Oh, well, my name is Alan, and. Um, I um, 
what would I say about myself? Um, uh, now um, I'm working at home a lot um, during uh, this uh, season of life, um, but I work as a fundraiser for the Holland Blurby Foundation. And so raising funds for the hospital and our research and our programs. Mm. Um, the proud uh, dad of uh, two boys and uh, a foster boy and a uh, husband to Joanna. The crowning glory for the end there. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, that's a nice introduction. <laughs> um, thanks for coming to our house too. It's been a long time, so it's nice to catch up and yeah. see you and been wondering how you're doing. I get to see little bits on Facebook, but not really like a chance to sit down and actually talk and catch up. So this is nice. Yeah. And yeah, um, I'm Joanna and I'm a um, stay-at-home mom of two boys. Uh, one has a physical disability and the other ha was adopted about three years ago now and so it seems flies. <laughs> time flies yeah but he had a lot of like issues related to that so both of them kind of needed us home so we decided to foster and so we are now fostering a newborn <laughs> so just plunging head in wow. <laughs> to motherhood yeah, yeah. Yes. getting used to the teeny tiny all over again yeah oh. I mean well that was the greatest surprise as I walked in the door so if I could be greeted with a newborn at every house that I go into that would be great well why don't you tell us a little bit about your boys and how they came into your life how you met them what it was like transitioning them into your family Absolutely. Um, so uh, Joanna and I had been married about uh, nine years and we had always uh, ex expected that children would be happening somewhere in those nine years, mm -hmm. but that didn't happen. Mm -hmm. And so um, we, of course, saw doctors and did mm -hmm. tests and it came back as unexplained. Uh, mm -hmm. And so we said, well, you know, we've, we've always wanted... To, to adopt. I have an older brother who's adopted and, mm -hmm. you know, it's something that we've, we've talked about. Uh, and the, then we started the journey, started the process. And um, we were on, it was an international adoption, our first child. And so we were on this wait list and um, we thought it would be a, a couple of years. And we... Um, the agency newsletter came out one day and I was on a coffee break and I opened it up and the bottom of the newsletter under the pictures of the cute kids who were just adopted was uh, a title that said Families Wanted and there was a description of our uh, son Liam there and so I, uh, I something prompted me and I, I called Joanna and we talked and we consulted with the agency and one thing led to another and uh, by the end of the day uh, this child had been proposed to us now <laughs> liam uh, was born with a rare condition called arthrogryposis it's a muscle joint disorder it affects one in three thousand uh, live live births and so we obviously wanted to have children we wanted to adopt um, this whole extra layer of mm -hmm. disability, disease, um, we thought, well, what do we do with this? So um, within the course of a week, we uh, consulted with uh, multiple doctors and professionals and um, 
after a lot of prayer and consultation, we said, we're still going to go ahead with this. God, we feel you you're prompting us to do this. Um, what would be called a special needs adoption. And so um, uh, it was within um, months after that, we were traveling to Vietnam and bringing Liam home. And here we are uh, a decade later. Uh, he just uh, turned 10. Wow. And the interesting thing is, I think you were part of that story because we got some videos of him and I was opening them during a break at work. <laughs> and, and I think and you were there, right? And you saw him, right? And 10 years ago. I mean, that yeah. just seems impossible. Yeah. Wow. And I mean, that is a quick yeah. thing to have happened. It was quick. It so. was really quick. Yeah. And then the, the flip side to that, um, do you want to share about uh, the arduous, agonizing, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. long journey of Jack coming into our life? <laughs> yeah. And so we have It's always a, the second children, you know. Yeah. <laughs> give you a run for your money. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the, um, yeah, we had such a great experience with Liam. We wanted to adopt again. And so we went back with the same organization and tried got in the process to adopt. We saw, again, his name in a newsletter. I don't know why he wasn't proposed again to one of the families on the wait list. Um, he had a cleft lip and palate that was unrepaired, but everything else seemed fine at the time and so we definitely said we wanted to put our name in and um we yeah we're, we got a picture of him and he was a month old he had just come to the orphanage at a month old and he was looking angry <laughs> and emotional and the next second he looked a little different he was just you could tell he's very emotional he's very feisty and we were like we do want this child and he's just perfect for our family and a great fit and then nothing we didn't hear anything we wanted to just get some extra tests done just to make sure you know get some of the basics out of the way HIV all these other things you test for or just have a knowledge of what's going on so you can determine if you can meet those needs and we waited for months and months our son broke his arm unfortunately in between that time so he we got that fixed after that got fixed, then we called back and we were like, hey, what's going on? What, what did the test show? And they said, oh, let us check. They went back to the orphanage and they saw a picture. We got this video of this little boy who was totally emaciated, mm -hmm. completely skin was like just flapping mm -hmm. off of his body. He just looked like he was on death's door. It was incredibly heartbreaking. Mm -hmm. um, but we... <laughs> the orphanage director or the um sorry the our adoption agency director at the time Menon who was a wonderful lady she was just in tears mm -hmm. like just I can't believe it and it was just kind of a god thing that a adoptive mom happened to be visiting the orphanage at that time and she happened to also be a doctor and so she went to that orphanage every single day to check on her soon-to-be son, but also on our son, and just make sure he was okay and he was being fed and everything. And it was just such a blessing. It was just one of those God things that, you know, it could go either way. You don't know if he's going to make it or not. And he pulled through, and he got stronger, he got better, and... Um, the test came back, they finally got the test done, and everything was fine with him. It's just the cleft lip and palate, and so we definitely said we would love to go ahead with this and adopted him, and then the paperwork just hit, uh, bless you, <laughs> and um, yeah, the paperwork just hit, like, this long trail of red tape, 
And I mean, it's great that there are all these ways to protect Mm -hmm. orphans overseas. And I think there should be laws to protect orphans overseas. Um, But in this case, it just held everything back. And so um, it's a good thing. But at the same time, it was very difficult. And we had to wait two and a half years. He was almost three by the time he came home. And by that time, he was pretty, um, yeah, had a lot of experiences that I wish he didn't have. Um, but, but he's here. And it's like a miracle that he's actually here with us. So it's a miracle that he survived, and it's a miracle that he's actually here with us. So we are thankful that he's here, and he's such a gifted, amazing little boy. So we're so thankful. We have two really amazing sons and our first son is I know all moms brag about their yeah. kids I'm sorry I'm sorry this you is just, just part of it. but he is just like my our first son is just so amazing too he's um again has a physical disability um but he is so articulate and he is so bright he actually has a very high IQ we had him tested and he is just really smart he has so much going for him and he's just a really kind person and really goofy and silly and so the same with our younger son is pretty goofy too we have two hams in our family (laughs) silly is a value in our household so (laughs) So we're really blessed we're really thankful to God that yeah well, I can remember even, I, I had the opportunity for a short time to work at Glorview oh, in their you? integrated kindergarten program. Yeah, yes. that's where I went, yes. Yes, and so I remember seeing Liam on like this billboard or something. Or, oh, like, that's uh, right, that's <laughs> right, change like, for kids, yeah. Wait a second, yeah. I know him. <laughs> yeah. I'm wondering. Yeah. And, uh, and so just connecting over just this incredible place that, um, yeah. I, I mean, is not just a gift to children and to families, but I mean mm-hmm. to really every person who has been in contact with them in, in any capacity. So, so to see, like when you talk about him being an exceptional person, I mean, the, you know, the confidence that he exudes, yeah. uh, just even, even in a little bit, seeing him on, you know, poster <laughs> boards yeah. representing yeah. Uh, the program is, is pretty exceptional. And so I'm curious because, you know, obviously, Alan, like you were saying, this wasn't a part of your initial plan. No. <laughs> and, and then not even that, but then going a step further, you know, having sons that required, like you said, a little bit more attention and care from day to day also wasn't a part of your initial plan. And so, like, how did, how did that adapt? adaptive process look for you guys in your family in your marriage you guys are people of faith and so yeah like how did how did you like transform in that process I think it was um just a a a daily thing I mean you a child is a child and you know you don't necessarily raise them any differently we would from a typically developing child but I think that, um, yeah, there are adaptations that we've made, um, but I think one of the, the interesting things is that, um, and my, my brother said this to me, um, you know, he said, you know, we've, I said, oh, we're, when we're adopting our first child, he said, um, I said, he, I said, you know, we really, really feel God's calling us to do this, like it's a ministry, and he said, well, yeah, mi- uh, adoption is a ministry, but then they become your kids. And so, like, it's, you're just, you're, then you're parenting now. And so you do all the ministry you want, but then you're parenting. And so this is my older brother, who's adopted, by the way. And so. I mean, that is wisdom right Yeah, there. so he's like, he's like, you're good, then you're just parenting. And so, um, 
you know, parenting is ministry, but nonetheless. And so we, I just sort of like, oh yeah, like these are my kids. I got to raise them. It's, there's some, you know, amazing things that God's doing in and among the midst of it. And so, but there are diapers to be changed. There's uh, rules to be taught. There's all these things. And so, um, but never, I feel like I've never done anything more significant in my life than uh, be a part of, of raising these boys. And so um, that's to me has been really important. And I think it's been such a privilege, too. I mean, as Al said, I mean, you fall in love with the child first, and then you just do with whatever else needs to be done. I mean, if you have a biological child and they have some kind of exception, you love them the same, but you just take care of whatever other needs they have at the same time, just like any other child. So I feel, in a way, too, it's it's just been very natural and it's just been like you just love the child and then whatever they need you just do if they need a few more medical appointments you do a few more medical appointments if they need this or that and you learn as you go just like all parents you just learn as you go how to change a diaper how to do formula how to do all these other oh, things Lord have mercy it's and, true <laughs> yeah <laughs> right and, like everyone just learns as you go so that's what it is it's just learning as you go and it's been a real privilege I feel to me it's just really opened up a door to a world of people um that I've like I never knew really in a in a deeper way in a better way like in a my eyes have been opened and I just have met the most amazing people and it's been such a privilege to get to know some of the different kids with disabilities and um even adults being able to be like you know what like checking myself like what kind of stigmas do I have against other people with disabilities and do I take the extra time to listen to somebody who maybe has a speech impediment um, or their disability affects their speech? You know, it just requires extra time. Why, why can't I take the extra five minutes to talk with them? And if it feels uncomfortable because I feel like I'm not going to understand, like just getting through my uncomfortableness and awkwardness and being able to just listen and then you realize oh as you go along it's easier and easier and then you just realize you've just met a really incredible person that probably a lot of people might look over and you realize that again seeing the person before the disability it's just been such an amazing um thing that we've learned through it is just about seeing people first and that's been a great lesson for us and we've learned a lot through it yeah Wow, thank you for sharing that. I have this memory on my first week in the kindergarten program yeah. at Floorview, and you know there were only a few spots, and so I you know begged, borrowed, and stole to yeah. get to get there because you know it, like the reputation is you know quite something, mm. and um, and I just remember thinking you know I have so much to learn, and, and I'm just I'm going in here with my eyes wide open. Mm -hmm. And thinking like, oh, I'm going to learn so much from, you know, the occupational therapist. I'm going to learn so much from these kindergarten teachers. And yeah. and I just watched these children. And I just thought, I have no idea about anything. And just to watch them um, overcome, yeah. to watch them treat one another just mm -hmm. like people. Yeah. And in this lineup of children painting you know, in all different ways mm -hmm. that yeah. they needed to paint mm -hmm. or communicating in a circle in just whatever ways they need to communicate mm -hmm. with whatever devices would help them to do that. Mm -hmm. And just like that, communicating <laughs> yeah. just the way that you need to. <laughs> and 
And I just thought, you know, I, I feel like the most privileged person in the world that I could witness, um, yeah, in another kind of a situation where, where you might feel like that one individual would be overlooked that, that I got a small window in, into seeing just the exceptional character and heart of these children. So, And I think, like, Bloorview School is amazing. Um, yeah. Liam went there for three years, and it was just, I mean, they do a great job there. I don't know if you know Paul Alcamo, who's yes. the teacher. Yes, and so, you know, he yes, does. amazing. Uh, yeah, he does. He pulls out all the stops for the kids. I mean, when it's time to learn about dinosaurs, he gets a oh. sand pit in there, and the kids are digging through sand to oh. look for I dinosaur see bones. Whole, whole caves that he's oh, built yeah, in yeah. his classroom. Oh, yes. I mean, they go all out. So, it's amazing, and... Um, I think it's just been, yeah, it's been such a great experience for, for Liam, too, to, to go through that and meeting the kids and meeting the people there. And, you know, you learn not to pity or feel bad for these kids because right. you're right. Like, they find their own way. They overcome and yeah. they do what they need to do. And <laughs> they they end up teaching you, right? Like, same with Liam. Like, sometimes I'm, like, especially, um, I'm at a loss sometimes as to how to help him do certain things. And because his condition is such that, every child with his condition will be affected slightly different. So the joints in his arms and legs might be affected differently than another person with his same condition. It just depends how you're stuck in the womb. And so, like, often therapists and doctors are like, I don't know how he's going to do that. And they're like, you... And then I'm like, I don't know how to do this. And then Liam's like, oh, look, I did it. Once he even... (laughs) I know... And then he's, I'm like, how do you do that? Thanks, mom. Yeah, I know. And so sometimes it's like, okay, you got to figure this out because I really have no idea. And it's just, he figures things out. He's a really good problem solver. I don't know if it's part of yeah. maybe why he's a good problem solver, but he's really great at that. Once he actually was trying to put on a shirt and he was, it was really tough for him. It's like a journey, everything you have to kind of like do in steps. And it takes like months and months and months to learn to do some things. And he was like... He did it. And I was like, what happened? He goes, mom, I just prayed. I prayed and God helped me. I asked God to help me and he helped me. It was just amazing. Yeah. I'm going to do that next time, Liam. That was like, he was like, what, six or something? And something like that. Yeah. So they teach you and it's like, yeah, like I need to be more like that too in my life. Right. Like just to trust God and just be like, okay, yeah, this is. Wow. Yeah. You know, so, so with your, your son, Jack, yes. um, and so him coming into your family, you guys have had this three year process mm-hmm. or, you know, much longer than with Liam. Mm-hmm. And, and so what did that transition look like? Uh, because you had mentioned that it was a little bit different yes. than the first time around. Um, it was, um, pretty hellish. <laughs> yeah, honest. it was tough. Um, looking at my wife for affirmation that I can say that <laughs> on this podcast, but it was, um, it was, uh, it was really tough. Um, again, three years of his life had already been imprinted in a difficult situation. And so, uh, to attach to us, to feel loved and secured, um, was, was really tough for him and he still has his moments, mm-hmm. but he, he knows he's loved. Um, those insecurities rise up here and there, but we just, try to love him, um, and, uh, you know, he is, he is just such a delight. Uh, I can say that honestly. Uh, what was, you know, hellish was the, the, the agony of, of seeing him go through the pain that he's going through and us yeah. not being able to help him. But um, 
you know, the, the saying time heals all wounds. Well, I think in this case, time and just that love and that security helped really bring a lot of healing in his life. And so, and it taught us a lot. Again, with, with Liam, we had to adapt, uh, you know, with all these physical special needs. But with Jack, it was all this emotional special needs that we really needed to, to understand and to, to, na- to navigate. I think, too, when you're adopting internationally, I mean, the care that you receive before you are adopted is very different, and the process and everything, the expectations and the resources, quite frankly, are limited, and we adopted from a country where there weren't a lot of resources. I mean, to place recovering from war, a place that has had, where people go without, a lot of people don't have refrigerators. A lot of the average person you know, isn't making a lot of money. So when you talk about orphanages and orphans and the amount of money they have, I mean, it's it's quite thin. So, um, yeah, he's hasn't had the same experiences that another child in North America would have. But um, it was a really, really tough transition. It was the hardest time in my life, to be honest, because he came to us with a lot of fears and a lot of... Um, assumptions about how life works and one of them was that people who look like me who are Asian Mm -hmm. Asian women will hurt him and leave him and give him away and Mm -hmm. so he came to us thinking that I was a very bad person and Mm -hmm. not to be trusted and so he had a specific fear of me (laughs) he loved Alan but he hated me (laughs) like he was just terrified of me he the first night that I was alone with him Al went to go pick up pizza down the street in Vietnam so he took Liam and I was there with Jack and I thought I'll be fine with him that's fine and no he just screamed like crazy screaming like someone was torturing him screaming and he was just at the door waiting for Al to come back and I was like okay I'm just gonna hug you it's okay talking quietly to him trying to come up and you know, give him a hug, but the closer I got, the harder he screamed, and I realized I am terrifying this child. I am, I, I just need to back away because this is, doesn't feel safe for him, and I don't want to make him worse, and so if I even just looked at him, he looked like he was gonna hit me, he looked like he was just gonna <laughs> freak out, and it just kind of went from that to slowly getting better, but it was a long process. It was like about a year, a year and a half of every day trying to reach out and be like I love you I'm here for you and being pushed away and being told like if you know if I if he had to hurt if he got hurt I'd try and like give him a hug and like try and fix everything nope he pushed me away he didn't want me anywhere near him if it was just so heartbreaking it was so upsetting as a mom who you know already has a son and knows what it is to be a mom and to love a child and to just comfort a child and I just to see him upset and I couldn't do anything to know that the the best thing for him was to leave him alone that made him feel the safest it was so tough it was it was a really tough thing and to know how to navigate it was really tough too so it was really it brought up a lot of issues too from my past of like rejection issues and all that so it was just tough and then he was going through like his palate surgery and his lip surgery and dental surgery he had like rotten teeth from just being fed sugar all the time and so we had to get dental work done and the palate done and the cleft lip done and all that so it was um it was a really hard process but um 
Yeah, it's, I mean, it's such a strange thing because I guess when you've never had a parent to know what a parent is, to know what love is, right? right? I mean, you have no experience with love. You have no experience of someone trying to protect you and set up rules to keep you safe, yeah. right? You're in charge of yourself. That's how his life has was built. And I have to take care of myself. And like, so it's such a different world. I mean, it just shows me so much too about like, faith right and like our our walk as children of God just feeling like you don't know what this love is and how much he loves us and how we're like are you sure I don't I don't really know God are you sure you love can I really trust you in this and it's like him setting up rules and boundaries for us to keep us safe and to love us and that we're like constantly rebelling against and that we're constantly like trying to walk away from and just but God still loves us and how he his love is so sacrificial it's just taught me so much about you know his unconditional love and his heart for us is 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 amazing and the only thing that really kept me sane through that was like just God's love and this you know the song where it says um, um I'm accepted because you were forsaken yeah it was just that like God's love for us that I could be accepted because he himself was rejected and he went through that for us. And so it should be a privilege for me to walk through that too. And trying to, I mean, it's not easy. <laughs> it's definitely not easy as the hardest thing I've been through, but to at least, you know, we have an example. We have someone who's gone before us and done that. And, um, and that he's, he's always loving us. It just makes such a difference to have that faith. Yeah, I'm just so changed by that story. Thank you for sharing that. I mean, I think like, yeah, two things. I mean, you know, we all know as parents, when we get started, we have a fresh clue of what we're doing or what we're getting ourselves into. And often in that parenting process, like God's parenting us. Yeah. And we're learning things about ourselves. Old wounds come back. Um, you know, I know that in my own journey, like, you know, my daughter's five now and as things go on, then like, you know, you're starting to map out your own childhood Mm -hmm. in a different way and starting to, um, you know, to see things, to relive things even over Mm -hmm. again. And it, it is this remaking process for us too. And that's, that's extra hard because you feel like like, this is a lot of work already caring for another person and now you know God's forming and caring for me in the process too but I think that um also what you were saying just reminds me so much of um what you know like what Paul talks about of this privilege actually to be uh to be rejected for the sake of the gospel like this privilege of being um, persecuted, of being, um, yeah, that actually somehow if we are re- rejected and persecuted for the sake of the gospel, that like we know him better, mm-hmm. that we have an experience of him that's almost like this, the richest prize. And that sounds really nice when somebody preaches yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, <laughs> until you, until you go through something like that, and you think like, "How am I going to make it through this?" Yeah. 
I feel like for for Joanna and the experience, like um, you know, some people say, "Oh gosh, my my kids my kids hate me." No, no, our our child really hated Joanna, and it was again just the context of their their life experience. And so, uh, for like the strength that she showed and the reliance on God she needed to have to get through that. Um, it was incredible. And so um, kudos to Joanna for, for doing that because um, he loved me. He thought I was the best thing <laughs> was ever. And so <laughs> I, I was a man. That's all there was to it. And so, um, but yeah, just... Um, uh, he loved men. It, would, he, it was just, yeah. you know, you can take it personally yeah. or you yeah. can be like, this yeah. is his experience. Yeah. And for him, mm-hmm. he loves men. That's mm-hmm. his experience. So. Yeah. I feel like now, though, he loves you more than anyone else in the whole world. And mm-hmm. that is just uh, because you've come through the fire. And, you know, it's, it's, it's incredible to see. And so, I mean, there'll be good days and bad days. But for the most part, you know, he's, you're, his, you're his number one choice. And I'm, I'm okay with that. I think that's what it should be. So. Wow. I mean, that's, I mean, like, my next question was just about what you've learned about God in this process. I mean, I can't think of anything more that you, uh, that you could learn, um, out of that. But, um, but yeah, I'm curious even about these two boys that you have in your home, you know, I mean, like every parent who has more than one child, you know, the, maybe the firstborn is a little bit reluctant to have somebody new into the family. Uh, we're hoping one day to have more than our one. So I'm thinking about that even myself. Um, how was that transition for, for Liam and, and what's that like for them as brothers? Well, Liam, like us, was waiting for years for his brother to come. And just waiting and in anticipation, and um, you know, it's for for him. He just it's been, you know, initially he was like, oh gosh, this is amazing, and now it's like same old, same old. My little brother annoys me, but <laughs> it's they they love each other and they have a really close bond, and you know, Jack just learns everything from Liam, and so um, I, I guess Jack sees Liam's disability, but it doesn't get in the way of anything uh, in their older younger dynamic and so um, we I just think it's a it's a beautiful thing to see how did um, because in, in that process like that's a long time to wait it's part of you know as my husband and I've been talking to our daughter about our own adoption process you know for the past year yeah. since we really started going through all the training and everything and and it's hard because you know, young kids, they, they're not quite sure about time and how yeah. long this is going to take. And so how, how did you approach it with him? Like, what were some of the, like, the language that you used? Or how did you talk about talk about the process with him? If you can remember. Oh, man, I can't even remember. <laughs> it's been so long. It's... I've lost a lot of brain cells along uh, yeah, yeah, the way. Yeah, 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 those, those memories have been Appar- wiped Apparently we said we'd like to, would, would you like a brother or sister? And he was keen on that. And so... Um, it's going to be by adoption again, Liam. It's going to be from, they're going to be from Vietnam. Great, great. Okay. So, um, he had a lot going on in his life at that time as well. And we were making those decisions. And so I think he just went along with it, but the weight was the same for him as it was for us. And so I think the one thing we tried to do to prepare him was we read, uh, tales of a fourth grade, nothing. 
by oh. Judy Bloom, and it was he was a little young for it at that time, but it was really good because it helped prepare him for Fudge, who was in that book, the the really kind of crazy yeah. toddler who's just doing everything and getting into everything, and um, yeah, so it kind of I think that helped prepare him and just to be like, okay, this child is going to be, you know, probably into everything. And, you know, I just kept talking to them about possible scenarios. They might be, want to touch your toys. So the toys you don't want them to touch, you got to put away somewhere else. And the ones that are out, um, you're going to have to let them play with and share and all this. And yeah, so I think he was pretty prepared just, yeah. And he had a lot of friends too, who had younger siblings. So I think that helped too seen them mm -hmm. yeah. but it was it was a it was a good process he's a pretty pretty wise kid yeah. he was even at the beginning um jack wasn't too fond of liam either because i think his experience with older kids were you know they're gonna take your toys and so he was very scared of liam and mm -hmm. he tried to hit him and he was just very like didn't want anything to do with liam and I said, Liam, you know, I think he's going to bond. They say kids can only bond with one person at a time. So I think he's going to bond with dad first. And um, and then, you know, he'll take his time bonding with everyone else. And he said, I think I think that's what's happening. I think he's going to bond with one person first and then with maybe you and then maybe me. And he was he was just very, um, he's very logical. He's very like an engineer. He's, he's I know, who is a child? Exactly, who is a child? I don't know. That's how I know he's adopted because he's so like... <laughs> logical and he just comes up with his own solution so it was like wow that's really mature of you <laughs> like I'll do that too yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. wow yeah I think it's just he's not able to so he'll he'll bond with me when when he's ready and just yeah he just takes things in stride it's kind of Liam. <laughs> yeah, with him, the, nat yeah. the nature is much stronger than the nurture. Yeah. He's yeah. his own person. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so so now you're in a whole new process. You're holding a precious newborn. Hi. Wow. And... Yeah, how did... Um, how did you continue in this process? I think it was an outflow of our whole adoption experience. I mean, we were thinking of, of fostering beforehand, but, you know, without our own kids, we're like, oh, letting, letting go is going to be so hard. But, um, you know, especially having Jack go through such a tough time and not being able to be there for our kids at their earliest stages, it made us want to help other kids. You know, we couldn't be there to be there for our kids when they needed us when they were really young, but we can be there for another child. And we never want to see another child have to go hungry or not be held when they need to be held or not get what they need. And that breaks my heart to know that that's the situation and this is something I can do. And it, it might only change one life or two, but I, I know that's an important step is their early years. And so I want to be there because otherwise it's just gonna you know eat me up inside right it's just like that that pain that that doesn't go away right of of knowing what your your children suffered in their earlier years and um like similar to your whole vision of this podcast I had kind of a similar uh vision too where I was like wanting to like help children with different needs and make sure that they were cared for and that they had their needs met and you know I think one thing also, if I can go on a tangent, it just, just like, you know, being in North America, you really don't see what it's like overseas. And, 
You know, you can hear about people, kids without parents and orphans, and you can think, oh, you know, they need a lot of love, and it'd be nice if they had love. But when you're there, you see it's more than just love. They need someone in their corner advocating for them. They need someone to say, take this child to a doctor now. They need someone to say, um, make sure this child gets their pain meds on on schedule. Um, Liam had surgery in Vietnam. Did someone give him payments? I don't know. I really hope so. And, you know, I have to trust that they did. But, you know, it's these things that my son almost died just because he couldn't drink up from a regular bottle. Mm-hmm. I had sent special cleft and palate bottles, but they didn't use them. So I don't know if it's just because it's not easier. It's, I mean, too difficult to use or it's, I don't know why. But anyways, mm-hmm. like you see these things and you, you realize it, it can, it's life and death for some kids and that these situations really, they need people to be in their corner and to advocate for them because they can't speak up for themselves because they don't have parents, they don't have people looking out for them and they don't have someone there, yeah, helping them. And so I wanna be a part of helping them and making sure that, you know, every child gets what they need and yeah, knows their love. Well, just watching you with this baby, I mean, it, is, it has been it has been our prayer as we wait for um, our own story uh, to unfold further. And I've already, you know, said to to Ryan, you're like, I'm I'm gonna write our the foster parents a long letter. And you just like, what do you say? You know, how can you how can you say thank you when? Um, yeah, those those years uh, before you have the op- the opportunity to take them home. Uh, I, I think them just knowing that they're going to a good home is all they really want, right? Knowing that you're gonna love them and take care of them. That's that's the best things, right? Yeah. yeah. I mean, is there anything else you want to share? I'm just so blessed by this conversation and by your faith and your resilience and um, yeah it's the kind of faith that Jesus talks about that gets refined not by I don't know like puppies and rainbows but uh, by fire and uh, we we won't know like the treasure until we say yes to the fullness of what God has for us, right? So that's the thing I want. I want the treasure of God, not some sorry shadow, you know? So thank you for chasing the treasure and, uh, yeah, for raising these boys. I mean, I can't wait to see Liam's YouTube channel. (laughs) (laughs) I just want to say, Nikki, I really appreciate you doing this this podcast and just sort of raising the, the, the profile of, of adoption and fostering and uh, particularly in the Christian community and I think um, you know one of the things that uh, you know, I would say is you know adoption maybe isn't for everyone yeah. uh, or fostering but if if people have felt that nudge don't don't deny the nudge mm-hmm. just say okay God what do you want to do with that nudge is it just an emotional thing or is it something you're really asking about because you can easily uh, think yourself out of doing something yeah. I'm not just referencing adoption I'm just talking about anything that where, where God leads you um, and, you know just 
I decided that the best thing in life is to not overthink things. Um, otherwise, we wouldn't maybe be on this journey that we're on. But I thank that thank God that He just you know said you know just do this and you know to. Was it a still small voice, or was it just a nudging, or was it a combination of a whole lot of different things? It was, but it was, you know, I can't imagine life if, you know, I hadn't listened to the nudge. And so we hadn't thought together this is, I think it was just beyond, you know, our initial circumstances of, oh gosh, children didn't come into the picture yet, now what do we do? I think it was a, a God leading all the way, and so we're thankful for that. I think, yeah, like like Al said, it wasn't our initial plan to adopt children with special needs or with any kind of needs. We had planned to have a biological child and then adopt, but we just didn't know what God had in store and just saying, okay, God, you know, our plan A isn't working. What's, what's your plan? Let's go with your plan and just letting him lead and realizing like God really confirmed with Liam like this, every way God could speak, he spoke like through dreams, through everything, through other people, through God's word, like second Corinthians, when they talk about my strength is made perfect in your weakness. And just knowing that like, you know, with Liam's disability and all that. And even before that, even um, back in the, when was it? 10 years before Liam had even been born, God kept saying, you're gonna have a son and he's gonna be an overcomer. You're gonna have a son and he's gonna be an overcomer. And I just got shivers all over my body. (laughs) And every time I prayed for a child, I was like, God, come on, you know, like, I'm sure everything's gonna be okay. We're gonna have a biological child. Everything's gonna be fine. And he just kept saying, you're gonna have a son and he's gonna be an overcomer. I didn't know what that meant. And then when we got the proposal with Liam, it was like, okay, this is, this is what it means. And he has been overcoming and overcoming his disability and overcoming and living through some pretty amazing things. And in a way, like God walks you through those steps of faith, right? And then with Jack, it was more, I really think that this is what God is saying. And this is, it seems like a good idea. And it's like, you know, it's just like these little inklings, but it's not as obvious as the first time. And so for us, it was more of a step out in faith. And then everything became difficult and it became like this, do I still trust you, God? Is this really what you want? And I really struggled with that, with is this really what God wants? Because why is it so difficult then? Why is it so tough? And then why does he reject me so much? Is this really what God wants? But now seeing like, yeah, absolutely. Like this is a very special child. Like I, I feel really like he's a really unique child and he's very gifted in unique ways that not a lot of other like people are he's just very sensitive he's very empathetic if he's like he'll just all of a sudden be like out of the blue dad how's your back and so it's something that like two weeks ago his dad's back was sore or he'll be like i brought you your phone mom or like i would really like to make you breakfast and just like he's just the sweetest kid he just has such a great heart and you know you can Often the kids that are the hardest at the beginning, they're the ones that are the healthiest. They're the, they're the, the healthiest and the best um, kids emotionally in terms of how they, they're processing things. And so those are the ones, though, that are most likely to be returned to the orphanage or for them to say, we can't handle this child. But those are actually the healthiest ones. And so just seeing as you uncover his personality and you see him and he feels more safe, you just we just see like he is an amazing, amazing child. And just realizing like we would have passed him over. We would have like in my own, what I wanted, I would have passed it over. But every time I like am in prayer and praise too, like just feeling God's spirit, like this is, this is the best 
thing. Like this is what what I'm asking you to do, and this is a. So it's it's just so funny, right? Like when you step out in faith and when you decide yeah. I'm going to trust God, even if it's just a little bit, like just go for it because, you know, he has good things in store and the ride might not be easy and it's not always fun. But, you know, in the end, like you said, it's it's about eternal, eternal um, gifts, eternal yeah. things. And it sounds like you have them here on earth too. <laughs> yes. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I know. Very, I know. very yes. precious gifts. Well, thank you. Bless your family. And uh, yeah, I'm sure in a couple years from now, you know, who knows what else is in store. Well, there are some stories that you can't help but sit on the edge of your seat for. I actually had to take a few deep breaths in the car after we were done because I'd realized that I had been holding mine for the majority of our time. There's obviously a lot to take away from what both of my friends so vulnerably shared, but there was one thing in particular that kept coming to the forefront of my mind, burning and impossible to ignore. Uh, It was two things. A scripture and something that I remember that when I started this project, uh, God had spoken to me about. So Philippians 3, verse 10, Paul says, I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. And so somehow attaining the resurrection. God has said to me so clearly over and over, and as I sat across the table from my friends, even clearer now than ever, to the Canadian church, he desires to set us free from the fear of suffering, from the fear of discomfort and pain, because that fear has been planted to trick us, to steal joy from us. And he wants to exchange it for a love deeper, wider, higher, and longer than we could have ever dreamed. This love, this treasure, yes, to know Christ. Yes, to know him. So wherever you are, uh, I'd love to pray over us. I'd love to lead us. I don't know. I've never prayed over audio. Maybe it'll be super weird, but maybe it'll be great. So uh, take a risk and hold out your hands wherever you are, listening at home or maybe on a walk or in the car. Yes, with our hands held out, I just pray with the authority given to me by God, the Father, Christ, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, that any power that the fear of suffering holds in any listening ear today be broken now in Jesus name and Holy Spirit fling wide the heavenly gates and fill us to the fullness of the love of Christ so we might have the privilege of participating in your suffering so we can have the privilege of truly knowing you. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen and amen. Bless you wherever you go from here. 
Thanks for listening in today. I hope you learned something new and felt encouraged along the way. If you are interested in hearing more, subscribe and leave a review so the content and message of this story can be found by other curious listeners. I'd also love to connect with you about any questions to share resources or to hear your grafting story. So send me a message. You can do that online. I'm on Instagram at Nick Fletch or NicoleAshleyFletcher.com. But more than any of that, please share this personally with anyone you know who might need to hear it. I'll be praying for you as you do. I hope to be with you again very soon. And until then, bye for now.